I want to talk about it. I want to give you a recipe. How many like recipes? How many like the cooking shows? Oh, be honest. I can look at you and know you like. I'm so, oh, that's a mirror. I'm sorry, that's a mirror. <laughs> Lord, help us. Once you have a recipe, see, then you, you can duplicate something. You can make it happen, make it work, and, 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 and serve that uh, to others and be pleased. And so I'm going to give you a recipe. Today is uh, Pentecost Sunday, and we're still going to stay with our with our uh, tabernacle theme, but instead of talking about one of the pieces of furniture, I want to talk about the anointing oil that makes the furniture work. Because without the oil, there is no presence. So you can, listen, uh, pastors need to hear this all over the country. You can make all the furniture according to design that you want. But if you don't have the anointing, you might have the pattern just right. You may have copied the way someone else did it. But until it is anointed, nothing's going to fall on it. Because the program itself has no power. The pattern itself has no power. We need to do things right, but you got, you got to have his presence and the oil upon it to make it happen. Now, everything, all the furniture points to Jesus in the tabernacle. All the colors point to Jesus. All the fabrics and materials point to Jesus. I mean, we could literally preach, a, we could preach probably 30 or 40 sermons on the different colors and what, what does, what does the, the goat skin mean and what does the linen mean and, 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 and the wood and the gold and we could go on all that stuff. But let me, just, let me just summarize it. Everything points to Jesus. So you kind of you understand where the Father is because the Father ordered all the pattern of this. But where's the Holy Ghost? And in the Old Testament, they're not so much aware of a spirit. It's kind of like a lot of churches today. It's, they pray in the name of the Father and the Son and what's his name? They, when I was growing up, I, I, I don't, I, there wasn't a whole lot of mention about the Holy Spirit. I never thought about the Holy Spirit. We talked about it all the time. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But I, I never thought to think, what does he do? And, and then we Pentecostals, we call it it. Did you get it? <laughs> I want to say, what it are you talking about? I don't want to it, I want him. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is the Holy Spirit. He is who Jesus sent in his place when he left. That's significant. He said, I will send you another. Say another. I'm going to send you another comforter. That word another in the Greek means of equal value as to the first. 
as Jesus walked with the 12 and literally was there in his presence in their presence and taught them and and raised them up and he says all right don't don't fear because even though I'm not here in the flesh I'm sending someone who's going to be just as good as me here in the flesh and he is called the Holy Spirit Praise God. (laughs) Let's look at the oil. Exodus chapter 30, verse 22, and here's the recipe. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take for yourselves, uh, thank you, quality spices. Quality spices. How many know we need to be quality? We need to be the best that he has made us. 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much, 250, sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, Mm -hmm. 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and number five, mix that in with a hen of olive oil. And like in an apothecary, you mix all that together, and that becomes the anointing. It's not just olive oil. It's the olive oil with the spices. And some of us are pretty spicy. And you shall make these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a anointing oil. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting, all the tabernacle, the ark of the testimony, which we'll get to next week. Don't miss the ark. The altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the laver and its base, anoint all that. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be Holy, And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and concentrate, pour the oil on them, that they may minister to me as priests. And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. So there's a spiritual application of this in the New Testament, right? It shall not, say not, be poured on man's flesh. When they anointed the priest, they were anointed in their clothes. They had a little hat on that looked like a baker's hat, a little baker's chef hat sort of. And they would pour that on that. Nor shall you make any other like it. Don't try to imitate. Don't try to imitate the Holy Ghost. Don't fake it. Quit trying to duplicate. Quit trying to manufacture a move of God. Quit playing with people's emotions and think that because we're getting emotional that that's the Holy Spirit. Now, emotions are part of it, but if it's just emotions, it's just emotions. And you know how they go. God help us if we have a bad day. 
It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people. People not even saved acting like they got the Holy Ghost. People not living right. People preaching in the pulpit while committing adultery. They shall be cut off. Be careful what you anoint. We need to be careful who we anoint. So we follow the recipe. i got to hurry. The first one is myrrh, 500 shekels. The word myrrh means literally something pure flowing. But many times in Scripture, that same Hebrew word is translated liberty, free-flowing. If we're going to have this recipe, we need to understand. That, listen, but what I'm meaning by this is he told them, you, you get the spices and bring them. We bring something to the table. God uses us as, it, as we are mixed with the oil of the Spirit. How many believe the Holy Spirit doesn't want to get mixed up with some things? So there needs to be freedom in the house. In other words, don't expect a move of the Holy Spirit in your life when you're addicted to something else. If there's something you need to let go of, you might be surprised what happens when you finally let go of that thing that you think you got to have. And when you let go of it and you start feeling that, that freedom, you bring something to the anointing that will change your life and change others. Sweet cinnamon. The word cinnamon means intimacy, relationship. How many know it's about a relationship, not religion? Come on. You know, if, if you... The Holy Ghost puts the weirdest thought. I'm going to blame him. If you don't understand your wife, you're not going to understand her by going and reading a book. When we talk about discipleship, the first thing that pops into our heads is classroom. Discipleship is learning how to be part of family. Discipleship is linked with love and relationships. Now, there are things to learn, and your wife will teach you. Should have saved this for Father's Day. I should have saved this. (laughs) Raise up a husband in the way he shall go, and when he is old. I think that's Scripture. It's getting worse, isn't it? I ain't listening. Lord. I mean, you could buy the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. You might under, help you understand women a little bit better. But, but, but the, I guess the best way to understand your wife is to live with her and learn. And the best way to, the best way to be discipled is to 
be intimate, to have relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm not saying don't have classes. I'm not saying don't read and study. We understand that. But above all that, you can't read your way to heaven. You can't study your way into the Holy Ghost. You just have to step into the Spirit and have relationship. Yes, relationship with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the best way to let your wife know you love her is take out the trash. I just helped somebody. I got to move on. I'm, I'm getting eyeballed over here. Sweet calamus. Sweet calamus. And calamus means a stalk or a branch. You know where I'm going with that. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branch. If you want to flow in the Holy Ghost, if you want this recipe for the anointing, you have to be connected. You have to be a branch. You have to be connected to him, not connected to a lot of other things. We need to understand how that flows. If you garden, if you grow things, you understand. If you, if you break that thing, it's cut off. It's going to die. We've got to stay connected to him and connected to each other. Cassia. Cassia means to bow down. So we're obviously talking about worship. We're obviously talking about putting Jesus first. We're obviously talking about coming into his presence and bowing down. So we're part of the branch. We're bowing down. We have relationship. We're free from the things of this world. And when you put that recipe together, you are a candidate for the mixture of the oil in your life. Ah. As we bring this fragrant recipe the Spirit of God will fall. Exodus chapter 40 and verse 21. How many are still here? Okay. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, hung up the veil of the covering. You know what the veil is. And partitioned off the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tabernacle. So he put it on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the veil. He set up the bread in order upon it. Uh, uh, before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. You still with me? I'm not going to read the whole chapter. He put the lampstand in the tabernacle meeting across from the table on the south side of the tabernacle, and he lit the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the gold altar in the tabernacle, the meeting in front of the veil, and he burned sweet incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He hung up the screen at the, at the door of, of the tabernacle. You get the idea? Put the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle, the tent of the meeting, offered upon, so on and so forth. Verse 30. And he set the laver in its place where they could wash, where Moses and Aaron, his sons, would wash their hands and feet before they went in. We preached about all this before. 32. Whenever they went into the tabernacle meeting, when they came near the altar, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. He raised up the court all around the tabernacle, that tent, that, that curtain all the way around it, hung up the screen of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting. And the glory of the Lord, and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting. Because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord 
filled the tabernacle. But when did it happen? When everything was made, when everything was finished, when everything was in its place, and everything's covered in oil. You see, we mix, we mix up the anointing. There's a difference between the anointing and the presence. The anointing sets you apart for the presence. We confuse it, though, because the anointing is what you feel. Because it's that oil being poured. I remember when I was called to preach out in the woods out there in Roanoke, Virginia. When I was called to preach, it was like somebody, you know how you pretend you break an egg on someone's head? And you feel that, you know, just flowing. That's what that, I literally felt that when I was called to preach. Never felt anything like that again because you only need that one anointing. Now, we get sub-anointings, you understand, for different callings. But once you're anointed, you're anointed. And I'll never forget that. You feel the anointing. That's the goosebumps. That's the, the presence is what you sense. I sense the presence. I mean, you know when it's there. You know when it's not. You sense it, but the anointing is something you feel, and sometimes we get the two mixed up, and I don't know that it's all that important to even understand the difference, but there it is. But the anointing is necessary because if the oil wasn't there, I believe if he had fallen, he would have consumed everything. It's dangerous to be in his presence with no anointing. The oil is like the oil in your engine. Without it, it seizes up. It overheats. Hello, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have lost a motor? You got to have oil in the engine. You can make the engine. All the parts are right. Everything's in its proper place. Everything works. But without that oil between every part, amen, that moves, it's going to seize. It may work for a little while. You can fake it a little while. But preachers, pastors, members, listen to me. You must have the anointing of the Holy Ghost if anything is going to move in your life. Ah, sense his presence. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Yeah, it's, it's so familiar, right? When the day of Pentecost had, how many know everything happens in his timing? They were, I always say there's always one. There wasn't one. All 120. They were all with in one where? place. And suddenly there came a from heaven as if as of a rushing mighty wind. And it Fill the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire. One sat upon each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. He said, Pastor, why didn't that happen again? I heard about a church in Indonesia that the, the fire department came out because they thought their church was on fire. The whole roof was literally on fire with the presence of God. They thought the building was burning. Anybody interested in that? We'll, we'll have church outside. <laughs> and there are dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. 
Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? How is that? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying, what, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking. They're full of new wine. That's the problem. Here's what we need real quick. Number one, we need unity. Don't, don't expect the Holy Spirit moving in here when you're insisting on your own agenda. Don't expect the Holy Spirit to move when you put the brakes on the worship. I don't like what he's preaching. I'm going down another road. <laughs> Got to have unity. Didn't I just read that in Acts? Number two, we need a sound that will draw the multitudes. Listen, we often just think about the sound in the upper room, but we forget about the effect of the sound. It was the sound that drew the multitudes. It wasn't a fancy program. They had smoke, but it wasn't a machine. God, send a sound. We need a sound from heaven. We, we don't need another program. We don't need another gimmick. We, 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 don't, we don't need a lot of nonsense. We, 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 don't, we don't need to make people more comfortable. We don't need to just, you know, uh, treat people well, love everyone, understand that. But you know what we need? We need a sound. We need a sound coming out of here. We need a sound coming out of you. That, and I, I don't know how to define it. It's different for everybody in every situation. But on the day of Pentecost, what drew the multitude was a sound. It wasn't the look of the building. It wasn't the look of the apostles. Nobody cared about those 120 up there uh, for 10 days in that upper room. Nobody cared until a sound came from heaven. I'm telling you, nobody in this world cares about the church anymore until a sound comes. And when that sound comes, it'll change the world and it'll draw the multitudes. How many people are still hungry? They don't even know what they're hungry for. They want a spirituality, and they're searching for it everywhere. They need to find it in the house of the living God. Oh, it wasn't my right hand. Now it's in my left hand. Somebody help me. Somebody shout glory. Looking for a sound. Next, we need fire. We need the fire of the Spirit. A fire. Mm. Can you imagine them? Well, like, imagine someone coming up to Peter and said, you got a flame on top of your head. You got a flame on top of your head. What? I don't know what they had for mirrors, but, man, that must have been weird. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit. Why fire? Because fire makes everything like itself. Once it burns. Oh, Jesus. You know I can preach on fire. Listen, you need to understand the next point. We will be mocked and persecuted. The whole idea of the church world today is to make people comfortable and to do everything you can to make them feel at ease 
and comfortable. You don't want to do anything weird or strange. <laughs> We're not going to save this world by making them feel comfortable in our churches. You say, well, you, you know, people are pulling past Pentecostal churches are pulling away from Pentecost now because we don't want to offend anybody. Because we don't want, because they don't understand. And I don't want anything going on in the service, you know, that people don't understand. And, you know, we just got to make sure everyone's okay. Somebody's going to say, that is a weird church. And you're going to have to say, and I'm a member. And I'm weirdo number one. Who's willing to be weirdo number one? Stand up right now. You're just, yeah, yeah, okay. We got one, two, three, four. We got you. We got you. you sit, sit down. You're weird. Sit down. They sure did. Now, I'm not talking about weird, weird. I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm not talking about bringing your bucket of issues in here and acting out. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when the Holy Ghost hits you like a flame of fire and you feel like running or you feel like falling over or you feel like jumping or you feel like dancing or singing when no one else is singing. I don't know what it is, but there's something about the Holy Ghost that makes us do things that are, might be a little weird sometimes. I say bring it on, Holy Spirit, whatever it takes, whatever it costs. Bring the move of the Spirit. I'm willing to be weird. How many of you are willing to be weird with me? Oh, I heard that. Oh, yeah, you're weird. Well, you're here, so why? What do you think about that? There's plenty of dead, quiet, comfortable churches you can go to. You can just go and do whatever you think you. I want, listen, I'm not looking for crazy. I, I just want to be open to whatever the Holy Spirit. If he, if he needs to stop the whole service just for one person, I'm okay with that. If the presence of people say, well, why do people fall down? I got the perfect answer because they can't stand up. <laughs> Hello? Well, that's not in the Bible. You need to study your Bible. It's there. John fell on his face. Isaiah, Ezekiel, go, go in there. Lots of people fell down. Be careful when you say, I'll never fall down because you're next. I'll never forget this guy. One of the biggest men I've ever seen. Just huge, broad, just big, <laughs> tall. <laughs> Could have broke me in half. He's gone on to be with the Lord now that I can talk about him. And he started attending, and he came down to the altar, and I could hardly reach the man. I mean, I'm like, jeez.
But when I prayed for him, he instantly went out in the spirit. Boom! Catchers are like, I ain't touching that. <laughs> Big fella, you're on your own. He'd have took out three catchers with him. We just let him fall. It was like Goliath. Next week he came. That was the first week he was here. Next week he comes. He comes to the altar. And he kind of looked at me. And we prayed for him again. And boom, down he goes. I mean, this guy's used to being tough, you know, fighting, having his way. And then he'd come up every week. He just couldn't believe that this, this, this little guy here is knocking him over. Like, he, he kept coming. Up. And after, after a few weeks, he'd be out in the hallway. And as I'm coming out, he'd. Make way. <laughs> you know what I mean? He said, preacher. Because every time we pray, and, uh, and I think the Lord was just tickling me. I think the Lord was just saying, hey, big guy, I'm bigger than you. Amen. Hallelujah. Ah, give, give, God, give God a crazy praise right now. How many of you had some weird experiences? Like I said, don't, don't go running after weird. Don't pray, oh, God, give me a weird experience. No. Just be open to the fact that whatever it takes to sometimes knock your pride out. You know, sometimes, you know, most of the time the doctor has to put you out before surgery. You should come up a different person. Ah, uh, But we're going to be mocked at Church on the Hill. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know what church you go to. Just embrace it. Just embrace it. We're not going to go around bragging on, you know, the weird stuff. We're just going to say God's in the house. You know, the, the, those people, they'll criticize and they'll mock and they'll, they'll laugh and they'll go to some dead church somewhere. But you know what? When they have an issue, come on, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I, I, I want to say, don't you have a pastor? But I don't. They may not have been able to handle the weird, but they knew God was in the house. They, they know there's people here who know how to get a hold of God. They know there's some people here who can touch heaven, who can get a prayer answered. So they call us because the anointing, the presence of God is in this place. And lastly, it's not a conclusion there will be a harvest. We're not in here just to lock ourselves up and act weird. You know, they could have just had, you know what? You know what, the way that story could have ended? They had the greatest service ever. No, you know how the story ends? 3,000 people came to Jesus that day. If there's something weird going on in here, it ought to lead to the harvest. Sorry, I yelled at you. Isaiah 64, verse 1. Let me, let me just, actually, after my sermon was done, next day he gave me more. 
Isaiah 64, 1. Oh, say oh. Because that's the key word. Oh. See, if we, if we, if we just get cold, say, oh, God, we're in the head. No, it's oh. Oh, yeah, here we go. Oh, that you would rip the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains and mountains in Scripture always represent powers and kingdoms might shake at your presence. I'm telling you, when God comes down, it's almost a scary thing. But there needs to be an O in our in your prayer, it can't just be, Lord, bless the church Sunday. Lord, bless the pastor. There needs to be an, oh, God. Groanings that can't be uttered with words. There needs to be something on the inside that's, mm, I think that's why the black church gets into that. Mm, mm, am I right? I'm more white than right, but I'm trying. I'm working it. I just don't want to offend you, you know. Just, oh, he's way off. Oh, God, that you would rend the heavens. <laughs> My watch thinks I fell. I'm okay. I pushed. I'm okay. I did not fall. Okay. I can retire. I can't do this. This is too. Oh, stop it. I'm okay. It went off again. <laughs> My response I fell, but I'm okay. I did not fall. For the second time, trying to, maybe I'm. Uh, Oh, I got to hurt. Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, just two verses. Jesus. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending on him like a, like a dove, like a dove. My God, hallelujah. You see, you see, there it is. There's the Father, the voice of the Father. The son is in the water. He's, this is before his ministry started. So even Jesus had to have a dove above his head before he started his ministry. That was his anointing. Wow. First Kings chapter 18. You, you know the story. I won't read the whole story. Elijah's up on the mountain on that, on that plain up there. And he says to King Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the it had rained in, what, three years. It hadn't rained. Everything's dry. And Elijah says, we're about to have a gully washer. We're about to have 
rain like you wouldn't believe. You need to just get going or your, your chariot's going to get stuck in the mud because the rain is coming. But y'all know the story. He goes up on, the, on that hill and he sits. He sits, right? And he just puts his head between his legs and he just prays. And he tells his servant, run out to the edge of the cliff and look out and tell me what you see. Servant runs out and looks. Does anyone know how many times he did that? How many times did nothing happen? Quit focusing on what didn't happen. Don't focus on what didn't happen. Don't focus on what's not happening. He just kept saying, just go back. Don't just, and then finally he says, I see a cloud. Just a little dinky cloud. Perfectly sunny day, not a cloud in the sky. And there's one little cloud. Oh, I feel that. One little cloud about the size of a man's hand. Maybe it was the size of God's hand. (laughs) One little puff of smoke. Here it comes. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Say, not much going on right now. Here comes that little cloud. Don't, listen, don't get, don't get discouraged because there's not a whole lot going on right now. Don't, 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 don't say, well, you know, I prayed six times about that. Well, I'm looking for this or I'm, I'm hoping for that. And listen, listen, you've got to stop talking about what's not happening because if God said it, it'll happen. Amen. Just keep sending it. Just keep sending. Just keep praying. Just keep believing. And his servant, I'm sure he got sick of it. About the sixth time, he said, yeah, sure, nothing there. And that's the way some of our members are. They come to church. I didn't expect that. Well, whatever. But keep looking. Keep looking. Keep going to the edge. Keep scouting. Keep praying. Hallelujah. But on the seventh time, I said on the seventh time, rain began to fall. And oh, my God, like a flood, like a torrent. Holy Spirit, fall on Journey Life Center. Hallelujah. My God, I feel him in the house. Here's another little point. You need to assume the position. God. Oh, God. Not seeing anything, but I'm believing. You said rain's coming. All I see is a little cloud. You said rain's coming, but all I see is sunshine. I don't see any clue. Of what you said was coming. But I keep sending them out. And he keeps coming back. But sooner or later, if you'll learn how to steward the little things, if you, can, if you know what to do with the little clouds, God will send the downpour. Oh, I just spoke prophetically to somebody. Let me close with this while some of the worship team comes. Isaiah 6 1. And you know this. In the king in the year King Uzziah died. How many know sometimes things need to die? I I, I saw the Lord. King Uzziah died. I, 
I think he was on the throne, I think it was 52 years. In the year that King Uzziah died, not a good king, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, other translations get it a little bit better. Sometimes it's hard to go from Hebrew into English and understand, really try to put it in language. But he said, I saw him sitting on a throne high and lifted up. That's not how high he was. It's a description of who he is. He's exalted. He is lifted up. It's not that, like, I'm higher than you right now. That's not, it's not a positional thing. It's a spiritual thing. He's, and, and that word filled, I think it's the ASV does it. It says, and his robe was filling. See, in our finite mind, we, 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 can, we, we have this concept of time and space. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gave me this vision. In other words, what it's saying is, it's as if God doesn't just come in and sit down. It's as if God is constantly coming in. And I don't know how to put that in words. The picture I got is, see, see, see God, God's everywhere all the time. So how do you conceptualize that except to say his train is filling. There's movement. There's growth. It never ends. It just keeps. Quit thinking about one service. Oh, we had a good service. That's good. It's about the flow. It's about God coming in his temple. Not just for a visit. And when I say temple, I don't mean these four walls. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about all 200 families. Let his robe. Literally, it's the hem of his garment. It just flows. And it never gets full. It's just always filling. I don't know if you're getting it. Only the Spirit can help you see this. God, give them a picture like you gave me. What we need is that constant filling, that constant flow, that you would walk in the Spirit through the day and let Him not just fill you, but let Him be filling you. That's a whole different world. Otherwise, when we get an experience, we think, I've arrived. We get an experience and we just dwell there. Some people have an experience and they go on buy a bus and travel the world. Talk about their experience. It's like, it's like Peter, James, and John during the transfiguration when Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus. And what did Peter say? Let's build a church. You want three tabernacles here? And Jesus is saying, we're not living here. 
No, don't build any tabernacles. Sometimes I wonder if if it was ever meant for us to build a church or building. Could have saved a lot of money. (laughs) I don't know if you'd come, but I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not going to tear it down. It's here. But, oh, Father, we need to say, oh, come down. Rend the heavens. Rip a hole. Like you did when you spoke over your son. Just rip a hole in the heavens and come down. And now what he says in Malachi, I'll open the windows of heaven. Pour you out a blessing. Pour out a blessing. Not drop a blessing. Not a not a just a little shower. Pour, pour, pour. Father, I want. An ever-moving presence in this place and something we take with us. A sound, a sound, Lord, that will bring the multitudes. A sound that, yes, some will criticize, but others will respond to. Some criticize, but 3,000 were saved. We don't care what they say. We don't care what they think. As long as we know it's you, you in the house, we love you this day. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand quietly? And We kind of already had an altar call. We'll just see what the Lord wants. Ah. Mm. Man, it's like dripping honey in here. Lord, if something needs to die, kill King Uzziah. If something needs to go, let it go. We're a hungry people. We don't just visit on Sunday morning. We want to live this every day. We want to walk this every day. And, Father, we want an ongoing experience. Pentecost is not about receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues one day. It's about ever-flowing, 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 ever-flowing. I wonder, real quick, if there's anybody here that doesn't have the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and that, that first evidence, the first evidence <clears throat> is that you speak in tongues. That's your prayer language. If you do not have that and you want that, you need to come down here right now. And I need three people filled with the Holy Spirit that will stay with them until they receive that Spirit. Who else wants that experience? Get up here real quick. Come on. This is a Pentecostal church. (laughs) If you don't have the baptism, why are you here? Come on, get down here. Young, old, doesn't matter. Come on, if you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit when you're saved. You say, Pastor, what's the difference? The difference is when you're saved, you get the water in you. To be baptized in the Spirit is to take this water and dunk it in a big tub.
Big difference. There's a difference between having water in you and having water all around you. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Get up here. Come on. Let's pray. Father, in that wonderful name of Jesus, as people come, can I get three people around them real quick? Ladies with ladies, men with men, just come on up here. Come on, prayer warriors, move. I need you. Anyone else, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay, back to praying. Father, we just love you and know that your grace is here in all your sufficiency. And I know there are those here who need that infilling, who need the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that prayer language you give us, gifts of the Spirit that otherwise we may never receive. Father, we want that experience. And Father, if there's anyone here that, that needs that next step, that baptism in fire, let them come this morning and we'll thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't know I was pastoring a 100% spirit-filled church. That's pretty cool. <laughs>